This is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's your podcast if you want to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. Hey, my name's Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing with me nearly 20 years of youth pastoring, parenting, and foster parenting as I share tips and tricks and mistakes along the way to help us build kids that will help build the kingdom of God. So I've figured out in life, I really only have one major problem with people, and that's that they don't do exactly what I want when I want it. Uh, Aside from that, I get along with everybody just fine. Uh, And I've noticed in my house that my kids being little people are sometimes even more guilty. It's weird because they're little, but they're even bigger problems of not doing exactly what I want when I want it. And so between their sin nature and between my sin nature, uh, there's plenty of opportunity for conflict in the Holland household and probably in yours as well. Uh, Not just with kids, but with spouses, with family, there's just going to be conflict in life. And so today we're going to focus for a few minutes on conflict without catastrophe. Um, You know, family is really the primary place that we have to to develop uh, wisdom, to develop character, and to develop courage. And so conflict is going to be one of those tools that God uses in your life and in your family's life to, to develop these things. If everything goes smooth all the time, if there's never any conflict, if we just totally agree all of the time, then it's really hard to gain wisdom for the outside world. It's really hard to grow in courage because part of courage is, is being able to communicate things that are uncomfortable to one another. And so uh, done well in your home, your your home becomes this amazing training ground to help everybody in your home thrive in most situations in the outside world. Uh, done poorly, though, kind of the opposite happens. And, and you either raise and develop doormats that just get walked on wherever they are, or tyrants who only know fighting and only know arguing and only know the goal of winning, and uh, you know, winning in a in a in a in a fight, in in a conflict in your home, um, you might win the argument, but you might become a loser in in the process. So conflicts don't have to be catastrophic. And uh, today, I just want to share some principles that and and strategies. Since you're going to have conflict, you better have strategies to help those conflicts to go well and to be healthy in your life. And so just uh, my prayer, Lord, I pray that you would help us today to, um, to, to listen to what you're saying to us, to, to be able to develop some strategies that would help us to treat other people as uh, the true images of God that they are and not commodities to be manipulated uh, as we see fit for our own personal gain. And so I pray that you would help us in, in this to have humility and and to really be out for the best of those around us. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so, so remember, you know, the great commandment is love God with all your heart. The other is love your neighbor as yourself, and your, your spouse is your neighbor, your, your kids are your neighbor, and, and so you're to do unto them what you would want done to you. Those are great strategies to start with. So remember, as you're going into conflict, there's really always at least two narratives in a conflict. Um, the, probably more than that. But there's there's the subject that you're arguing about. That's one. And then the other is how we actually value the people involved. 
And so part of the problem is when we get fixated on the subject, I'll get fixated on winning my version of the subject. And when I do that, if, if my goal is winning my side of the conflict, then in that larger narrative, what I've said is like, I value winning more than I value you. So the goal isn't to lose the conflict. The goal is, is, isn't to win the point of the conflict. The goal should be to understand and be understood as you resolve it. Um, you know, you're looking for win-wins in, in here. So the first, the first thing I would say, like, I'm going to share with you some, some, uh, rules that come under what we would call fighting fair. And, and I remember as a, as a young man, young married in my twenties, um, my first wife, she's in heaven now with Jesus. So she's totally perfected and I'm still in process. Um, and at this stage in her life, neither of us was perfected remotely. And, uh, and I remember getting into some ridiculous fight and I can't even remember what the subject was. But I, I do remember it lasted at least a couple days, and and it was frustrating because to me the subject was pointless. Um, but it kept going on, and I and I had this. There was this older guy in my church who used to come by, um, and take me out on his motorcycle, and we'd ride around all these old back roads in West Virginia and go to random hot dog places. And on one of these uh, trips, sitting over a hot dog. He asked me how things were going and how, how my marriage was going. I was like, ah, you know, we were in this fight. And he asked why, and I told him. And it was like, it just didn't make any sense why we were fighting over this stuff. And the truth was, by that point, we weren't. And I remember him saying, well, you're not fighting fair. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you got to fight fair. And, uh, and then he proceeded to say things that, looking back, I'd been in premarital counseling, and they'd said the exact same stuff. I just was so smart when I was going through premarital counseling that I didn't need to hear any of it. And now just a few months into a marriage, I was desperate to hear it. And so a few of the things that I remember that he said from fighting fair that, that will absolutely help you in your conflicts. Number one, never use the words always or never. See what I did there? Never use the words always or never. Why? Because in, in reality, uh, nobody ever never does something or always does something. And so when you, when you're in a conflict and you say, you always do this, or you never, you've, you've gone far beyond the issue and you've started attacking their character. And, and I can tell you personally, if somebody comes at me with Jay, you always do this, or you never do that. Um, my first inclination is to kind of emotionally turn them off because it's either like, I'm going to get really mad at them because I feel attacked or I'm going to shut them off. And so my inclination is to shut them off because I think they're being ridiculous. Like you've, you just lost your point when you have, um, taken every effort that I've ever made and flushed it down the toilet by saying that I always do something bad or I never do the right thing. So just eliminate those words in, during times of conflict. Um, just don't do it. You're attacking their character, not their actions at that point. Um, going along that, that way, uh, th another good one he told me was stick to the subject. So if you're in your conflict and you find yourself being backed into a corner because they just got a good point on you, um, the most natural tendency to do is to reach into your bag of things that you know that they do poorly and bring one of those in. And just as soon as you've done that, you have taken a disagreement and you've made it into a fight. You have taken, um, picking up socks that are laying on the floor 
and turned it into, you don't even really love me at all, do you? So you, you just have to discipline yourself to stick to the subject. And so what that means is sometimes like you, you just, you take the punch. Um, even if they're not trying to punch you, sometimes it can feel like a punch because you feel embarrassed or you feel guilty when you've done wrong. So stick to the subject. And the same thing when you're, when you're talking to your kids, um, stick to the subject. Don't bring in, you know, if you're, if you're talking about them coming in late for school or coming in late from curfew, it's not the time to bring up. And you also aren't doing your homework and, uh, you're mouthy to me. Like, just stick to one subject at a time, try to get it resolved. And, and if you do that, the win from that can help you in the other one. Um, as soon as you start dogpiling on somebody, again, people will either emotionally rear up at you or they will shut you off or the wilt. And none of those is actually going to get you through the, the conflict like you want. Um, another thing that's helpful in, in fighting fair is give an opportunity for a timeout or set a time to appropriately actually address the subject. So sometimes if emotions are, are getting high, and you need to be able to do this with your kid as well, um, you, things don't always have to be resolved right away. And I know we have this, you know, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger, and that's, and that's true. But sometimes things can't be resolved immediately. Sometimes things can't be resolved in a night. And so... Uh, I think the biggest thing with this is like, let's, let's say that, um, you're in it and your emotions are rising and, uh, some people are just not masters of words. I feel like in general, um, females just have a much higher command of vocabulary than males do. So males tend to get frustrated and emotional. And then that testosterone starts or the adrenaline starts pumping and they'll just blurt out mean hurtful things. So if you catch yourself before that, just say, Hey, can we have a timeout? Cause I just, I, I care about you enough. I don't want to say mean things. I want to get my emotions under control so that I can actually talk about this subject. So can we have a timeout for a period? And you need to let the other person do that and not charge them with, Oh, so you're trying to walk away. Oh, you never want to resolve this. You, you got to give them a timeout. The other is, uh, you know, think about how many arguments start in the morning as everybody's packing up to go to work or to go to school. Instead of dropping bombs during that time or saying harsh things as you go out, what you might say is, hey, I feel like this is kind of an important issue. Can we schedule maybe tonight after dinner to to go on a walk together and talk about this? And you can even do that with your kids. Instead of like slamming them as you're going out the door or dropping them off to school, say, hey, tonight I really want to talk about this. Um, what does that do? Uh, number one, it gives space for the conflict to actually be resolved. Number two, it lets you get over that initial wave of emotion to address it. And number three, and this is, this is a big deal. What do you want the last thing that you say to the people that you love to be? Because, Hey, you have no idea when the last conversation is going to be. And, and I don't want you to live in guilt that, you fought with your child or your spouse before you walked out the door or they walked out the door and one of you had a heart attack or got into a car wreck. I mean, let's say it's you that drops dead. Do you want the last words that they know from you to be, um, to be ugly and harsh? Let's say that it's them. Do you want the last words that you remember saying to them to be, uh, filled with snappiness? I mean, it doesn't, it's not like it, it negates the rest of your relationship, but that's just not baggage that you want to carry. So schedule a time for it. 
Um, moving on beyond fighting fair, just other things with, with um, conflict. With your critiques, do your best to not extrapolate a particular behavior into condemning, into condemning their entire character. Um, for instance, uh, saying like, look at this trash, you're just so lazy. Like you've gone from uh, a symptom, which is there's trash all over the ground, to uh, a character trait. You're lazy. And hey, it may be true. It, it really may be true. Um, but if you can avoid it, just talk about the symptom. Like so perhaps a strategy for that would be, hey, I really need you to clean up after yourself. It shows me that you care about uh, the family it shows me you care about me when you just pick up after yourself. I show that I care about you by actually doing your laundry and folding it, or I show that I care about you by spending my gas money and taking my free time after work to drive you to your friend's house and to drive you to this stuff. And I'm, I'm glad to do that. I love to do that. But I would really appreciate if you show your care for me and that you're a part of the team by just picking up your stuff after yourself. And so, you know, I, I think we're going to try this strategy. Um, I'm not going to drive you to the places that you want to go until you have satisfactorily just picked up the stuff that I regularly expect you to pick up. And if you want to get mad at me, hey, that's no big deal because it's your choice to get mad at me because the simple solution is you just pick up your stuff. So I'm not going to be mad at you anymore. Um, I'm just not going to drive you places. And you don't have to be bad at me. You can just pick up your stuff. I'm not asking you to pick up my stuff, just yours. And yeah, they might be mad at you, but you, by doing that, you're avoiding attacking their character and you're giving them the opportunity to own the problem. Um, hey, one last one I want to end with, and, and I think it might be the most, any of them could be the most important if it's the one you're in, but I think this is one that just is so common and so detrimental. Uh, we all have these little pocket computers now, and, and we have instantaneous everything everywhere, and it is so harmful for conflict. Texting should be used to say things like, hey, I really love you and appreciate you, and uh, what's for dinner tonight? Hey, everybody be home by five. Texting is not your conflict friend. Texting is not your conflict friend. Email is not your conflict friend. If you want to know the best way to take a small thing and make it a big thing, communicate negatively in text. Communicate negatively in email. Um, I've kind of learned on the church end, if I get an email that's that's negative about something, I just reply right away and say, hey, I've learned from experience that one email equals 10 emails. So Let's set a time to talk on the phone or meet together about this in the next couple of days. I'm available here. Um, with your kids, especially, don't communicate negative feelings and ideas. You're training them on how to interact with everybody else. If you are the parent and you're sitting in one room in your house and your teen, especially, is in another room of your house and you're sitting there coming up with the perfect, you know, well thought out, logical, snappy, smart text to send to them that just shows them all of their stuff and shows them your stuff, grow up, get up, walk into the room and talk to them. And if they're not willing to talk to you at that point, no big deal. Don't text them about it. If they start dropping you text bombs that are angry and snappy, ignore them, get up and go look them in the eye and say, 
hey, we're not going to do this over text. So we got problems. We're going to deal with it face to face. But I refuse to get into a text battle with you. You just don't want to do it. Um, first off, because whatever you think you're saying is not what they're reading. There's no tone with it. There's no emotion with it. And so they get to do it over and over and over in their heads and make it way worse than it is. You know that's true because you do that about other people. So just stop doing it. Um, if if you have an issue with them and they're not right there to, to deal with it, then you get to do what human beings have done for more than 6,000 years now. Wait till they're with you and talk about it. Wait till they're around. This is excellent advice, not just for your kids, not just with your spouse, but for every human that you're involved with. Texting is uh, not your conflict friend. It's your enemy. So, uh, hey, just kind of in general, I really love the concept of the love tank from uh, this book called His Needs, Her Needs by William F. Harley. It's a great marriage book, by the way, if you're looking for a marriage book. The basic premise, at least one of the basic premises, uh, is that everybody's got a love tank. And so in your interactions with people, you're either making deposits into their love tank or withdrawals. Conflicts uh, can cause major withdrawals from love tanks. Just meaning, you know, regular interaction in your house can cause withdrawals because we're stressed and everything. But conflict can, can cause major withdrawals. But at the same time, resolved conflict, conflict done well can and can lead to understanding and true communication and and result in a major deposit into the love tank of everybody involved. And so that's your goal. My prayer for myself, my prayer for you is that our goal in conflict is to win the person and not the argument. And if that's your standard, you'll do really really well. All right. Hey, that's it for today. I hope it was helpful to you in some way. And it was actually a request from a parent, which is really helpful to me to know what you want to hear about. If you've got any questions or comments or subjects you'd like us to cover, you can contact me at jay at covenantfellowship.com. Because this is a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. We'd love to have you come visit with us if you don't have a church home and you're in the Treasure Coast area. Um, You can check us out at covenantfellowship.com. You can also go online to letsparentonpurpose.com for archives um, for this written in blog form. If you know somebody that likes to read it better, that might work for them. Um, Again, this is Jay Holland thanking you so much for listening to us and uh, reminding you this is a marathon, not a sprint. We'll talk to you soon.